This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally. Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network, available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Hey, business storytellers, it's Christoph Trapp, your host and author of Content Performance Culture, um, episode 193. Thanks for listening to another one of these. I really appreciate everyone tuning in and that you find these helpful. Today's topic, I want to talk about uh, how do you tie SEO into your content writing? Of course, you've heard me talk about SEO before. Uh, the book Content Performance Online has a whole chapter on accidental SEO strategy, which does happen at times, but don't count your chickens. Why not uh, be more strategic about it? So today's guest, I'm joined by Jessica Foster. She's with keysandcopy.com. Jessica, how's it going today? Very good. I'm excited to talk about content and SEO, two of my favorite things. Um, Fant- yeah. Fantastic. And they, they go hand in hand, right? It's not one or the other anymore. Yeah. Like what I like to say, and it's funny you mentioned the accidental SEO. Um, a lot of people do more right than they think they are. Um, and so it's kind of like, you know, harnessing what you're doing right. But like you said, being more strategic about it. So I like to encourage people to focus on what they're doing well. Um, and then usually it's a matter of some additional tips to ha- create a repeatable process, make sure you're targeting the right keywords and using them in the right way, that sort of thing. But um, yeah, I think people think SEO content writing is more complicated than it actually is. <laughs> And well, that's refreshing to hear for a change that it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be more complicated than, than what we're doing. What are a lot of people, what are they doing right out of the gate already? What are, you, what are things you're seeing that people can build on? Right. I think, um, and I haven't read your uh, accidental SEO chapter, but um, I, I realized this early on with a lot of bloggers who really try to understand their target audience. They're writing on topics that they know that their audience is interested in. Um, And that's why you see a lot of, you know, mommy blogs and travel blogs and stuff like that doing really well, even though they don't have an SEO background, they're writing on the topics that their audience is interested in and searching for. Where things get complicated is you have someone who's more strategic minded and maybe focused on the SEO things, digging into the keyword research right away without taking the step to really understand their audience and how they're searching and what they're searching for. So for a lot of business owners, especially like small business owners that I talk to that are really closely connected with their customer base, they usually know what their audience is interested in. It's just a matter of turning those into um, pieces of content that are searchable. So that's where the keyword research comes in. You might know that your target audience has like frequently asked questions they ask about your services but then you can use keyword research tools to confirm that they're using certain phrasing to search for these problems and then interweave those keywords into your content just to make it easier for Google to pick up on it and display it to the people who are searching for it. So that's why, like I said, if you know your audience, you're probably creating content that speaks to them. 
where SEO comes in is making sure you're using kind of the right phrasing and the right, the right formatting to make it easier for Google's algorithm to pick up on it and then display it to the people who are looking for it. And so it sounds so simple, right? <laughs> I mean, when you, when you do keyword research, I mean, so uh, talk about how do you do that? And I guess the one example that comes to my mind, so I use Uber Suggest, right? Mm-hmm. To see how many people are searching for things. Google, Google Trends is another uh, decent one that can help there. Uh, but sometimes I don't know the right term, right? So right. what's interesting is I, uh, like I'm in marketing, I'm in podcasting, I'm doing all these mm-hmm. things, but I don't know all the terms. So I was doing an article on how to, uh, how to turn your um, audio content into a video, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, like a quick video. And believe it or not, there's actually a term for that, which I didn't know, uh, but it's audiograms, right? So Max Grandstetter, who of course has the Wild Business Growth podcast and who was one of our episodes here a while back, uh, he said, oh, audiograms, blah, 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 blah. Here's how you do them and when you do them and et cetera. But in audiograms had a lot more searches than whatever I was using right. as a term. Um, so there is a, there's value, right? in having um, online, uh, research like keyword research and also have offline collaboration with the team right right yeah so how, how do you do that what are your what are your best uh, practices I guess yeah I think if you're looking at keyword research tools to be the end-all be-all of coming up with topic ideas you're gonna fall short because like you said like the the keyword tools are only as helpful as like the things that you can come up with in your mind to search in the tool and then, of course, the recommended keywords that they'll, you know, offer to you. But that's why I think, um, well, one, have, having conversations with your target audience, because a lot of times they'll use the terms that they would search for in finding services like yours. If you're really just listening to them, like when you have your onboarding calls with clients, um, feedback for from customers and stuff like that. So that's why I said it's really important to listen to your audience and not make assumptions I'm all about trying to use your audience's own language within your content, um, even beyond keywords, um, to really speak to their pain points and the, the goals that they're trying to reach. But a good way to like discover those terms that maybe you haven't thought of before is to just Google what you think people would be searching for and then see what the competitors are doing. So what, like what terms, I wouldn't even say keywords, but what terms are they using in their content? Um, What sections do they have in their content that you're like, Hmm, I didn't even think about touching on that before. And a lot of the, a lot of times the SEO um, tools will help you because you can put the domain into the, the, the tool, and then it will show you what keywords your competitors are ranking for. And a lot of times you'll come up with terms that you had not thought of before, like the example that you just made. So just relying on the tool to come up with the keywords for you, it's just one part of the equation. You really do need to think about what your audience would hypothetically be searching for. Do a Google search of what you think they're searching for and then see what comes up. And then also see what your key, your competitors are targeting. Um, beyond that, and it's not something that I think SEO professionals do often, but copywriters definitely do, is market research. So I do this for my own business, and I've done it for clients um, by sending surveys to your target audience. I just use like a Google form. I have some questions about what their audience is struggling with, what methods they've tried to overcome these struggles, 
what their frustrations were with those struggles and try to get that out to like 10 to 20 people and you'll discover a lot of really valuable information and you, then you get it right out of your audience's mouth what they're what they're searching for rather than making assumptions cuz like if i had a nickel for every business owner that i've talked to then i'm like who is your target audience and what do they want a lot of the times they get it very wrong and then, and like i don't chastise the chastise them for that but i'd be like you know where did you get that information and a lot of times they'll just like well i just know I'm like, how do you know? <laughs> like, how do you, did they tell you this? Um, is it what your competitors are doing? And most times, like the strongest approach is really to get these words out of your own audience's mouth, because then you know for sure what they're searching for. And you have a good jumping off point to find keywords um, worth ranking for. But if you're just making assumptions because you're like, I've been in the industry for 10 years, I know my audience like the back of my hand. Maybe you do. Um, but if you haven't taken a chance to really ask them what they're searching for and how they're searching and what solutions they've tried already, you are making probably more assumptions than you think you are. So certainly I've run into that more times than I would like to admit. Everybody knows everything because they know what the gut feeling mm -hmm. the gut feeling is the the, the deciding factor. Uh, why is that still so common? And how do we how do we get around that? How do we collaborate people out of that? Um, I know, I just know, because I've done it. And what's funny is, I've done this too, for mm -hmm. a long time. And I don't know. <laughs> so you don't, you don't know what you don't know. And you don't, I don't think market research is really something that people say is a necessity. And I only really learned this by collaborating with other copywriters, not from people in the SEO industry. So I have a friend who is an expert sales copywriter and they routinely do market research and they get very high conversions on their content. And obviously as an SEO content writer, my goal is to help generate traffic, but I also want my clients to generate conversions. So um, you know, I have the SEO side. I'm like, I need to know what's going to convince users to buy. And that's where I learned how to do this market research. Like I was saying, um, it's kind of like there's multiple steps to it, right? So you can find guides on how to do market research. I have one specific to SEO copywriting. It's just not like a blog article about it. Um, but yeah, asking your audience what they're searching for and how they're searching for it. And a good example is like my business when I first got started. So I assumed that SEO agencies wanted SEO content to help their clients get traffic, right? Like that sounds right. Um, it sounds smart. Like, of course, why else would you buy SEO content? But when I did my market research over and over, what they said is that they were looking for one consistent content to engaging content. And I was just like, that doesn't really make sense. Like none of them are really mentioning traffic. Um, and I realized a big pain point for them in hiring writers was that they were getting content that was inconsistent and it just didn't read very well. And for my audience, they're SEO marketers, right? So they know how to optimize content. They might not know how to write it. So in hiring someone like me, they wanted someone who could write well, that they could take that content and optimize it if they needed to. Obviously, I know how to optimize content, but that was their main pain point. So if I just kind of kept reiterating, hey, I write content that generates traffic. They're like, yeah, that's nice, but that's not exactly what we're searching for. So I think taking that extra step in my business to do that market research has helped set me apart from other content writers who really just 
focus on the traffic side of things because they're assuming that's what their audience wants when it comes to sourcing SEO content, but it could be something totally different. And I've repeated this process for my clients and the writers that I mentor. So another example is I have a writer in the fintech space and she went into it with the assumption that um, fintech writers high quality content that tells a story and I was like yeah the high quality content part sounds right but like how do you know this again I'm like how do you know this and so we did the same thing we did a google form survey it has about like five to six questions or something she sent it out to roughly 10 to 15 people and the not you know overall consensus but most of the people said that they wanted quote well-researched content from a fintech writer that, again, quote, kept up with the trends in the fintech space. And I was like, if we just continue down this track of assuming they wanted high quality content, we would have been missing the mark. What they're looking for is well researched content from a writer who knows what's going on in the industry. So it's like a completely different positioning that you're not gonna get to by just making assumptions. So to answer your question on how to do this, um, <laughs> you know, doing market research. And there's tons of guides out there on how to do it. There's a lot of different ways to do it. But the key is to get your audience to answer in their own words, what they're searching for, what their pain points are, what their goals are, and then use that information to inform your keyword research. Um, and even beyond that, if you're not writing for SEO, writing articles for social media and posts for social media, it's going to help you communicate your unique value to your audience. So when my competitors are saying, hey, we write content that generates traffic, but then I'm like, hey, are you looking for consistent, engaging content? Like my audience is like, yes, that's exactly what I'm searching for. So whether it's an email campaign or you know, a social media post or blog post or something, like I'm speaking their own language back to them. What's interesting too is the the term high quality content. Uh, what does that mean? Yeah, right? I mean, are people like are people reading it? Are they doing something? And then the other thing is, are is it reaching the right audience? Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, every once in a while, I write about a topic that is kind of off center of what I typically write about, and I reach a lot of people. Like for example, I wrote about uh, Facebook avatars when they came out, right? Mm -hmm which arguably has nothing to do with mark, like for marketers, mm -hmm. they're not going to probably use that, but I had like 8,000 views, right? Didn't lead to any business or anything um, other than traffic. So I guess you can now say you can add that number to the total number. Uh, when it comes to keyword research, how about uh, like, what are the sweet spots? I mean, I, when, when I do keyword research, I'm looking at, you know, uh, this is how many people search for that. And, and when there's like 800,000 searches, I'm like, well, I'm not going to rank for that most likely. Uh, but like, where's the, and then you, you see some, they have like 10. Mm -hmm. And is that, is that worth going after? We're, like, what's a good guidance that people should uh, consider when they're, when they're trying to rank for certain keywords? Yeah, I do think people get a little overly ambitious. They see the high search volume. Of course, they want to get all of that traffic. But when you're a new site or a small site or you're just starting off with SEO, it's it works in your favor to start smaller. So going after lower competition keywords. And usually these ones are low search volume. Um, they're a little bit more targeted 
So it's like there's digital marketing, which is super broad, pretty competitive, but you're going to attract a wide, wide audience. Right. And it's like how many of those people are going to buy from you, even if they are able to find you. But um, I posted about this on LinkedIn recently for small agency sites that I've worked with. We usually go after keywords that are as low, like on, as low on the competition scale as we could get. Um, and ideally the more search we can get. So, um, a lot of times the lowest competition keywords don't have a lot of search volume and that's okay. You're trying to find the sweet spot of low competition and high search volume, but those are really hard to find. So usually you have to compromise on the search volume in order to just rank, because if you're, if you're not ranking at all, because it's too competitive it doesn't matter how many searches it's getting, you're probably not gonna get any of those because you're not gonna be on the first page. So it's better to go after something that's less competitive and you're not getting a bunch of searches. But then usually the strategy is saturating all those keywords that you can find. So find as many low competition keywords as you can find that are hyper relevant to your audience, create content around that. It might be a blog post, it might make sense as a service page, um, usually those are the main two options. And then once you have created content for a lot of that, then you can go after slightly more competitive and slightly more competitive. And so what you see when you're looking at Google analytics is a slow climb of traffic over time. I think people get overly ambitious and they go after the higher search volume, slightly higher competition keywords, and then they're not ranking at all. And they're like, why am I not getting any traffic? you really need to gain that momentum over time. And I know that can be frustrating for businesses because they're like, I want to generate a bunch of traffic. Um, but what I would say is that usually for these smaller businesses and smaller sites, like you want high quality leads, you want the traffic to be targeted so they actually turn into customers. So it really doesn't serve you to get a ton of traffic unless you're making your money through like display ads, you know, like where the sheer volume of traffic matters the most. Um, most of the businesses I talk to, like small businesses and agencies, they could really only handle like one to five new clients a month. So I'm like, there doesn't make sense for you to necessarily generate tens of thousands of visits to your website, even if you could. Um, so focus on the keywords that are hyper target, like targeted to your audience that make the most sense for your site or low competition, and then slowly scale up going after more competitive keywords. And you will see your traffic climb. It might be 10 and then 20 and then 50 and then 100 visits a month rather than 1,000, 2,000, 5,000, 10,000. Um, but those, those higher volume keywords are so competitive that your chances of ranking for them are really slim anyway. So it's very rare that you see those high traffic numbers because those what your website isn't able to rank for those keywords. And so you get zero of that traffic. <laughs> it doesn't matter how many people are searching for it. Um, <clears throat> so it is very much like slow and steady wins the race. Um, you can be doing other things at the same time, like link building. You could use these articles to um, share them on social media, run paid ads to them to get the most out of your content. So that's usually what I recommend. But if you go into it going after the high um, volume keywords and expecting high traffic numbers, that's just not going to happen. And I think people get discouraged and they are like, oh, SEO doesn't work. Um, and I would much rather see low traffic numbers, but a higher conversion rate than high traffic <coughs> numbers and like no conversions. <laughs> so 
Right. So it, it, slow and steady, certainly agree with you. But then on the flip side, we also have when Andrea Freire was on the show and her book on want to check that out at ctrap.online forward slash Andrea. Uh, she talked about in, in her book, she starts it off with every time a CMO starts anywhere, an hourglass somewhere gets turned over <laughs> and they have mm -hmm. 12 months or 18 months or whatever, whatever it is now. Mm -hmm. So uh, slow and steady wins the race totally with you. But how do we get that across to the people that are hiring CMOs and think they can turn the world upside down and and drive those huge traffic numbers. Of course, the huge traffic numbers, it's not helping us that we see some of those companies out there that have huge traffic numbers, right? right? So we wanna be like them. Well, they all, um, but, they but all how do we, a, how, how do we, mm -hmm. They all had like a starting point. And I think what I always ask my clients during onboarding is like, what is your goal? Is your goal traffic or is it making money? And almost everyone says it's making money unless it's these, honestly, like a lot of bloggers that do display ads, but those just aren't as, I guess as effective as they used to be. And you really do rely on high traffic numbers. That's why you see these major publications and the bloggers that are turning out a lot of traffic and on a wide variety of topics. Um, but most of the agencies, like software companies and all that, it's like they want to make money. Like that's why they're paying you. So I don't want you, like my clients, I don't want you to throw money at content and not see tangible lucrative results from it. So the, these, you know, content writers or content marketers that promise you the world, like it's really, you're at the mercy of search engines to some degree. And if you're going after really competitive high volume keywords, there is a, there's a higher chance that you're not going to rank for it and it's going to be a big disappointment. But if it's low competition, you can win routine like small consistent small wins for your client and i'd rather see that than huge disappointments over and over there might be some huge wins but you don't have that progress that you would expect to see and so i just don't work with clients that have those kind of expectations i don't think it's realistic and i know there's agencies and stuff like that will promise high traffic numbers but they it's really hard to make those promises and if you <clears throat> set those expectations at the mid at the beginning there can be big disappointment. So I guess to answer your question, if you frame it as we're going to make small, consistent wins for your business that are going to drive revenue over time rather than throwing your money at content that might sink or swim, usually they can see the value in that. They're like, well, I don't wanna, it's, it's, like, it's like investing, you know? It's like the smaller investments and smaller wins, but they're consistent over time versus you could throw a lot of money at something and you could lose it all. Um, I personally would not want to do that. I'm definitely a long-term sort of person, um, but there's different mindsets about it. So sometimes it's just not a good fit if people have those expectations. Um, and so when you, when you have a client that comes to you or a prospect, I guess in that case, mm -hmm. do you like, do you try to, uh, coach them through it uh, for a little while or do you just like when is that like a trigger word and you just don't take those clients from the from the start yeah it depends on how flexible they are so in the onboarding process I kind of try to I ask them those thought-provoking questions like what is your end goal because a lot of times they're just like we just want more traffic and I'll be like why and they're like, well, we want to make more money. I'm like, oh, so you want to make more money. <laughs> you don't want to get more traffic. Like you think getting more traffic is going to make you more money. And it might. 
Um, but how can we maximize the results on the traffic that one you're getting now and two that we're going to slowly increase over time? So I'd rather, again, I'd rather see the higher conversion rate. So if I can frame it that way and they understand it and they can change their thinking, then it, there's a possibility of working together. But if they're adamant that what they want is traffic and that in order to do that, they have to go after these big fish keywords that have high search volume, but very high competition. Then <laughs> I'm like, ethically, I'm not going to do that because and it reflects poorly on me too, right? Like if they hire me with these big, ambitions and I can't deliver, then it reflects poorly on me no matter whose decision it was. So I just don't do that. Um, so it kind of just depends on how flexible they are, if they can reframe their thinking and they're like, yes, I actually, my goal is to make more money with this. And I would rather see higher conversions on the traffic that's coming in than try to generate this attract traffic that's very vague and high, like broad and high, high untargeted and not relevant to my site, and there's a high possibility I won't rank for it, you know, it's just not going to be a good fit for me. Um, and a lot of times it just takes that reframing for clients to understand that, and it, that's not a big issue, but some people are very adamant about their position, and I'm like, I'm not going to change your mind, so. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it, it always baffles me when people hire uh, any content strategist, and they forget about the strategist part, right? They just uh -huh. say, this is what we want. And uh, here's the order. Let me throw it over the wall. Uh, please, uh, please deliver it. Um, yes. So very, uh, you know, don't think of your content strategy team as the arts and craft department, um, right. for sure. And what's interesting is you mentioned it a couple of times now, and, and it, this has been a little bit of a theme on recent episodes, honestly, is uh, we're talking more and more about paid ads. And, you know, 2015, content marketer Christoph Trapp, 2015, would have said, I'm a content marketer. I don't do paid ads. Mm -hmm. And today it is truly like even for SEO. I mean, it seems I mean, maybe not SEO, but to get things started, it seems like most content campaigns that I'm running or I'm seeing, uh, they have some paid component uh, or, or it's much more likely than five years ago. Are you seeing that as well? Or is that uh, just my own perception? I've seen some success for that with my clients. And like I said, like I'm a SEO content strategist primarily, so I don't really touch paid ads, but for we've written blog articles and web pages and we've driven ads to them. Um, I'm just not, I don't run the ads for them basically. Um, mm -hmm. But it's for, you know, if they have the budget to do that and they want to see quicker wins while they're waiting for the SEO kind of momentum to take off, then you can see, um, good results from that. And you can also learn a lot um, with your targeting. Again, I'm not a PPC sort of person, but we, based on the conversations I've had with my clients that have done that, they can get more insight about their audience, which ultimately helps us have a better SEO content strategy. Um, but for, I mean, I think it's not super, I wouldn't say common, but it's not the first place uh, small business owners look a lot of times because it is it's taking that upfront investment and um, you know it's like if you're trying to be frugal at the beginning you might not have the budget to invest in paid ads and stuff but from my perspective if you're gonna invest money into content you might as well get the most juice out of it you can and if you have the budget to run ads to it and get con some conversions there and push it out to your email list and social media and stuff like that, then why might as well do that while you're waiting for 
the organic traffic to roll in. That's just my um, opinion and experience. But again, I'm not big into PPC. So, and how how long do people need to expect to wait for results on SEO? I mean, is it uh, like how far out are we we talking in general? Oh, that's a that's definitely a it depends answer. Um, so like I was saying, if you're going after the lowest possible, like lowest competition keywords you can find that have like a decent amount of traffic, right? I would say over 10, obviously. Um, so usually it's like the keywords that have like 150 to 350 searches a month, but they're low competition. We can see, we've seen content rank in a couple of days and a couple of weeks. If they're more competitive, it might be a couple of weeks to a couple of months. Um, the SEO specialists that I work with that work with larger businesses usually say three to six months um but it, in my experience if you're going after low competition keywords you can rank pretty quickly which again i think is uplifting to business owners because you see those quick w wins and you're less likely to get discouraged thinking that seo doesn't work so if you're overly ambitious from the beginning and you're trying to create all this content over these co highly competitive keywords and you're not seeing anything for months that's pretty discouraging. You're probably going to fire your SEO person um, because you're like, hey, this is not working. It's like, well, like it's going to take a while for Google to notice your site. It's a new site. Um, there's other competitors that are probably currently creating content for this keyword. So you have to think about that too. Just because you create a piece of content for a competitive keyword doesn't mean other people aren't doing the exact same thing at the exact same time. But if it's low competition, then you're like, maybe there's one other competitor that wrote an article about this right now. But I can be fairly confident that if I write something that's better than what's already ranking, that I can rank for it. So there's no set answer for you. Um, but my job as a content strategist is to be upfront with my clients on a case by case basis on what we would expect for their niche and the keywords that we're trying to target. So for like, you know, legal marketing, it's really competitive. It's hard to squeeze in there. But for like a local florist where they have like less than 10 local competitors and we're creating a landing page for like florists in Columbus, Ohio, um, we can probably see something really consistent. But if you're creating an article on best legal marketing tips, it's gonna, you're probably fighting with a lot of other sites. So again, it's kind of, being able to work with a content strategist to look at your site overall, look at the keywords that you hypothetically would be ranking for and help set kind of a trajectory for your strategy and what you would expect to see in a certain time frame. And you know, what's interesting about the, the examples you gave. So if, yeah, if you can rank for a keyword that has 150 searches a, a month and let's say you can get 75 uh, well, 150 searches. So how many clicks would that even be? I don't know, 20 clicks maybe, right? Well, Just yeah, I mean, has... it depends on your headline if it entices people to click. Um, yeah. yeah, there's just, uh, I can never say that word, statistics <laughs> about, you know, how, what percentage of um, the, how do I want to frame this? Like the, what percentage of the pages on the, the pages on the first page of the Google search results get the clicks. It's like the majority go to the first one. And then there's a certain percentage, uh, percentage that go to the second search result. And it kind of just decreases as you get lower on the page. So just because you're number one doesn't mean you're going to get all 175 searches, but you right. might get 60% of them. 
Yeah. And that's something to keep in mind, because if you have a, let's say there's 200 monthly searches and mo many of them won't click, right? So let's say 10% mm -hmm. uh, click and you get five of those. I mean, that's 5%, that's 10 searches, 10 right. clicks per month. So, but they're hopefully higher relevant searches. Right. Um, that's where the copywriting comes in. It's writing a yep. like a title tag that's going to entice people to click on it. So just having your keyword in the title is not enough. Right. And then of course, once people click over, make sure your copy can uh, deliver what the title mm -hmm. tag promised. Uh, Jessica Foster was today's guest. Uh, you can find her over on keysandcopy.com. Is that the pl best place or any anywhere else? Yeah, no, Keys and Copy is good. You can probably find me on Facebook. I post a lot of content there, Facebook Lives. I'm always talking about SEO content writing. Okay, fantastic. Jessica, thanks for joining us. Thanks for sharing the insights. Uh, very much appreciated. All right, thanks for having me. You bet. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Until next time. All right, very good. Uh, I currently got this uh, 915, uh, September 15th. So I'll send you the link when it's up. Okay. As well. Cool. Okay, great. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Hello. Hi. Are you still there? I have a special offer for you. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. My going live book is now available on Amazon.com. And if you're in the United States, I'm happy to send you a signed copy, which you can order at paypal.me forward slash C-T-R-A-P-P-E, C-T-R-A-P-P-E forward slash 12. Thanks for your interest. If you're not in the United States, I can't send you a signed copy, but of course you can order on amazon.com. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best stories win.